At Qualcomm, we believe in staying connected, and you can see us wherever 5G is helping transform telemedicine, supporting remote education, and powering mobile PCs. The Invention Age is here. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash invention age. Hello and welcome to Flash Forward. I'm Rose and I am your host. Flash Forward is a show about the future. And this is a very special episode. Today, May 12th, is the exact five-year anniversary of the show. Five years ago today, I clicked publish on the first ever one of these things. I had no idea if anybody would listen. I had no idea if I would do 10 more, let alone over 100 more. And now, here we are. Flash forward is five. According to the CDC's important milestones checklist, that means that this podcast should currently want to please friends, check. Like to sing, dance, and act, check. Be aware of gender, yeah, check. Be able to tell what's real and what's make-believe. Eh, you know, we're still working on it, but we're, we're getting there. Be able to draw a person with at least six body parts. Sure, yeah, I think that we have covered at least six body parts on this show. And be able to use a fork and spoon and sometimes a table knife. Which, yeah, I think I'd say that we sometimes pull out the knife, but mostly we're a fork and spoon kind of show. So there you have it, a healthy five-year-old podcast baby. I won't get too sappy just yet. I will save that for the end of the episode. But I do want to say thank you to every single person who has ever listened to or supported the show in some way. Whether this is your first ever episode or your 109th, whether you've been a patron for years or you're just getting into the show, whatever stage of flash forward life you are in, thank you. Every eardrum that vibrates with the sound of this show or eyeball that reads the words from the transcript collectively piled up into a totally not gross pile of body parts. That is what makes Flash Forward possible, that very uh, fleshy pile. So to celebrate five years, this episode is going to be a little bit different. I know longtime listeners are probably shocked to hear that. Uh, I often do these sort of weird episodes for milestones, but normally we travel to the future and then travel back to today to talk to experts, you know the deal. But for this episode, I really wanted to try and reflect on the last five years and think about the future at the same time. I was thinking about how I could gather up the collective wisdom of the show and then also try to kind of reflect it forward. So to figure that out, I reached out to every single person who you have ever heard on this podcast, every expert, every voice actor, and even patrons, and asked them one question. What message would you send to someone living 50 years from now? And today, you are going to hear their answers. If this is the first ever episode of Flash Forward that you are tuning into, uh, I mean, I can't like tell you what to do, but just know that this is really different from all of the other episodes. So you're about to hear a sound collage, a mixtape of sorts, a sort of golden record of Flash Forward. And so if this is your first ever episode, I may gently suggest starting with a different one because none of the other episodes sound like this. Or you can do this one and then go back to the other ones. I can't tell you what to do. Live your life. You do you. Two final notes before we get to this little experiment. Number one, there are exactly three curse words in this episode. 
Normally, Flash Forward is clean for teachers and students and parents to use, but this time I sort of let folks get a little bit wild for the five-year anniversary. So just know that. And number two, uh, this is not a coronavirus-free zone. So lots of people wanted to talk about the pandemic. So you're going to hear about it. So just so you know, that's going to be in there. Okay, buckle up. It's about to get weird. Dear future, I wish you Godspeed. Hello, people of 2070. Hi, Rose. First off, I want to say hello to all the cyborgs, burbies, humanoids, aliens. Dear person in 2070. So, hello. This is Janelle speaking to you from the past. And I guess the first thing I want to say is sorry uh, for what we are doing to set you up for some pretty bad situations probably in the future. I'm really, really sorry. I realize that people in your year probably don't have many warm feelings for those of us living through 2020. I promise it is not our favorite year either. I'm sorry that there are probably hardly any insects or amphibians left and that you'll probably never be able to see a coral reef. Those were really cool. What message would you like to send to someone living 50 years from now? I would ask if we're still protecting the planet, because that's one of the most important things in the world. I'd wonder if there were going to be as many trees from there, or if species that have lived while I'm a child have gone extinct. They probably will be. Yeah. It's been a hundred years since the first Earth Day, and so many of the things that existed then likely don't exist for you now. Lots of species, but also whole places, rivers, rainforests, and those reefs. I'm seriously so sorry. Is there anything you want to say to someone 50 years from now about these things? Maybe someone your age, mm -hmm. which is 11, in 50 years? It'll be well, uh, 61 then. I told them to protect what little nature they have left, if there is little left. Yeah. And if we have a lot left, because people have taken a stand to make sure yeah. to protect it. What do you like most about nature? I like the fact that it's always changing. It's always in constant motion. Mm. Just like you. <laughs> yeah. Love you, thank Love you. I am sure the general attitude you have towards us is bewilderment. Why didn't you change? Why didn't you do anything with the science when it was so clear? For people in 50 years who look back on this time, I hope they'll realize how many people see injustice and violence around us and want to change it and have no idea how. But mostly I'm very sorry, truly sorry yeah, that we didn't do more. I'd like to take this chance to not say sorry. Some of us knew that there were even bigger problems in 2020 than the cruelties of the for-profit healthcare system. That the stuff, the cars, the yoga mats, the smartphones, the Instapots, the bacon burgers were killing the planet and that producing and distributing the stuff meant really awful lives for lots of people at the time and probably assured awful lives for people well into the future, that is into your time, but we bought them anyway. 
We knew what they meant, and we didn't stop. We didn't elect the people who had better ideas. We didn't resist. And I'm not saying sorry. To say sorry is a comfort, and the possibility of comfort, of being forgiven for the consequences of our action, is the problem in 2020. So I'm rejecting the chance to say sorry to the folks of 2070. Instead, I'm aiming to start making the right choices. So that's all. Hope you're safe. Hope you're healthy. Hope there's still hope. People of the future, this is people of the past. You may have reasons to believe we were not a very smart people in the past. First of all, how dare you? That's a common stereotype. Second, it's wrong. We'll prove it by perfectly predicting life in the year 2070. In these days of the coronavirus pandemic, a lot of people make irresponsible, even dangerous predictions about the future. This is because they propose all sorts of wild developments instead of simply extrapolating from current trends. In order to say nothing wrong, we will only be extrapolating from the most up-to-date available data. First trend, home bread production has roughly tripled in the past month. If we continue tripling over the next 600 months, we find bread creation per person will increase 216 million fold. Loosely speaking, that puts us at 10 billion loaves of bread per person per year, or approximately enough to coat the planet in bread to a height of 50 loaves by the year 2070. The good news is that hunger has been solved. The bad news is many people have probably choked to death in the sea of quote-unquote artisan-style baked goods. Second trend, liquor sales are up. As a first estimate, we found an article saying that people in Dayton, Ohio, were observed carrying armloads of liquor coming out of the grocery store. Having been to Dayton, Ohio, we estimate that the average Daytonian only requires one fistful of liquor per grocery trip. We conclude that the new trend is a quintupling of liquor consumption every month, and we believe these results can be extrapolated to all humanity because Ohioans are incredibly incredibly average. By the year 2070, we find a 100 trillion fold increase in per capita consumption of spirits. If we assume population continues growing despite certain dietary trends, we find seven septillion gallons of liquor must be created per year, enough to replace Earth's oceans several million times. By the year 2070, Earth will be like Saturn's moon Titan, only instead of water, we will have one massive subsurface Long Island iced tea. And the surface crust will literally, actually, be crust. Third trend. To satisfy the monthly octupling of toilet paper demand, all plant life has been converted into gentle yet resilient free-ply squares. These are now soaked in ethanol and highly flammable. Once these catch fire, they will burn for a few years, only finally going out after they have completely exhausted Earth's oxygen supply, which will not be replenished because no plants remain, and because the sky is now an impenetrable shroud of smoke. Will humans survive in a world deprived of sunlight and oxygen, with little contact with other living beings, and with vast liquor consumption on a constant basis? I can say confidently from the year 2020 that we will. In fact, we will thrive. Fourth trend, adaptation. Given the quantity of people who are now home and who have exhausted the entire libraries of Amazon and Netflix, 
we expect a factor of 10 increase in baby making. That takes us to a worldwide fertility rate of 24 children per woman. This creates a population doubling time of about three years. The happy result is an enormous number of humans for natural selection to select against until we are whittled down to only those beings who can survive in a state of perpetual carb loading and inebriation. The sloshed will inherit the earth. That is our prediction, drunken fish people of 2070. Please know that from our vantage here in the dark days of 2020, we never lost hope, though we are sad to have missed out on Utopia. The message I would like to send someone living 50 years from now is very simple, 42. Thank you. Hi, my name is Kathy Randall Bryant. I am a pastor by training, but right now I'm the full-time caregiver to my two girls. To Rebel and Roar, now that you are 54 and 52, respectively. First, I hope you are well. I hope you are still able to laugh with your full bodies the way you did today. I hope you can go outside and smell the green of spring, the gold of summer, the burnished red of fall, and the white of winter. I'm sorry for mistakes I've made and assumptions I've held, even as you teach me new ways of seeing the world. Keep teaching me, and those around me, better ways of understanding what we have now. I look forward to seeing your face again, and I can't wait to see what experiments you share at your table. I love you, Mom. Here are some haikus to someone 50 years from now. If you can hear this, there's still hope for humankind to maybe fix this mess. V dreamed of jetpacks and flying cars, but the internet's better. I wonder what tech will be awesome yet mundane 50 years from now. Thank you. Um, okay, so I've been thinking about what I would want to tell someone 50 years in the future. And unfortunately, like my, my the advice I, I wish to relay is not poetic or uh, smart or time-worn or anything. I don't. I feel like I don't have anything that I could teach the future. I feel like all that I can do is document or attempt to document the moment we're living in. As a historian, often the hardest thing to recapture when we're chronicling the past is how people felt at a particular moment. Not the policies they made, not what got reported in the newspaper, but how people felt. And so I just want to use these couple of minutes to talk about the way I feel right now and the way I think a lot of other people are feeling about the moment that we're in. First thing I want to tell you there in 2070 is that that whole bunch of photos that you see from the early 2020s when we all have terrible looking hair and look like we've been crying a lot, those are from the pandemic. I am recording this message after more than a month of quarantine because of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm sheltering in place near San Jose because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Yesterday was again the worst day yet in Los Angeles where 81 people died. We are being treated as disposable. 
No one is looking after us. No one is going to work to make this easier for us. One of the things that historians often wonder is, did they know? Did they know they were living through a transformation? And it's not all that often that one, that it seems that people did know and did feel, wow, things are really changing. But also it's hard to have the sources to, to actually uh, assess that awareness or not. So um, I'll tell you right now, it does seem like we're living through history. And I want to say hey to the humans in 2070, 50 years from now, no part of what's happening for you now was inevitable. And I feel like the message I want to say to people living in the future is that, um, how do I put this? I can so vividly imagine a future where everything gets wrapped around the coronavirus outbreak. I feel like as an old lady, I'm gonna be correcting people all the time. Like, no, people were using viral before. Like, that was a thing. Screens were also already a thing. We were already devising ways to avoid each other and have food delivered to our doors. And society was already extremely rigidly striated and it was already really hard to live and get by and that the coronavirus really only drew these things into stark relief. History moves, history is very queer, or I guess time is very queer. Both things can be true at the same time. Nothing just happens instantaneously. If I were to send a message to someone 50 years in the future, I would ask them to learn the right lessons from history. Um, I think it's really natural to look to the past for guidance when we see uncertainty and oppression and violence all around us. Um, and we look for patterns, uh, which is a good thing to do. Uh, but oftentimes we will sort of fix ourselves onto a particular analogy. And I think that that will often blind us to the kinds of oppression and violence that are happening around us. It really narrows our view. As an environmental historian, I believe history should be useful for the present and the future. And I'd like to take this occasion to send one reminder to students in the future, 50 years from now, in the year 2070. Remember this, shit happens. Or to put it more politely, contingency matters. What I mean by saying we should learn the right lessons from history, I think we should remember that exact moments in the past never repeat themselves. And by presuming that they will, we blind ourselves to tragedies that unfold right before our eyes. Some might even say that contingency, that unpredicted stuff happens, is really the only domain left that historians are uniquely trained to try to understand, explain, tell stories about. By looking for perfect metaphors and analogies to the past, we lose sight of how millions and millions of guises violence and oppression can take and how it can transform and how it looks like something different even if the same kind of oppression and violence is still happening. And when we spend all of our time looking for something exactly the same as the past, we end up ignoring it or even legitimizing it, right? Or arguing over the accuracy of our analogies. We really specialize in what the models can't explain, that shit happens, that history matters. It's not that the past has nothing to teach us. It teaches us the multiple guises in which violence oppression can happen and how we legitimize, explain away, downplay or wipe from memory as it is happening in real time. Think of a classroom in a university. I hope you still have those in 2070. It is filled with seats equipped with a writing surface for taking notes. The seats all face a lectern at the front. That is structure, 
from the configuration of the classroom to the organization of the whole university. Now the students file in, sit down, and take notes as a professor stands at the front of the room and lectures. That is reproduction. Together we are all reproducing the structure of the university year after year. And what about agency? You as a student have some agency. You chose to learn this subject, presumably to shape your own future. You could attend or skip class today. I as a professor have some agency too. I can choose how to teach this course, but teach it I must to keep my job. And then, suddenly, it is all over. On the last day of class, the classroom sits empty. No students, no teacher. A viral pandemic abetted by an inept government response led by a corrupt, idiosyncratic president, has changed everything. That's contingency. Shit happens. And that can change your future. Oh my God, five minutes. Sorry, I'm, I'm turning into my mother, like leaving these rambly voice messages. Dear 2070, you may be 50 years closer to the complete optimization of daily life, but you still stand to gain from a relationship with your past, specifically with the humble corporation by the name of Object Solutions. Divided by time we may be, but united we stand in the goal to streamline humanity into a seamless consumer experience. You may have more advanced technology, bigger data, but we still have that lucrative connection to the human soul. To that end, I slide my proposal across the tables of time. Object Solutions invites you to a formal meeting at our headquarters, 50 years ago, today. With our guidance, you can have access to a society that's still separable from artificial intelligence. These days, if you try hard enough, you can still get a human on the phone. You can still truly know yourself and connect with others with only minor guidance from an app. Personally, I have more close friends than I do smart devices. But that time is fading fast. It's a perfect opportunity for you to capitalize. I'm not talking corporate merger, that could step on some butterflies, but let's call it transactional time travel. Object Solutions is poised to be the corporate steward for the future you wish you were. I think you'll find a lot of opportunities in this time period. 2020 is not too early, not too late. Hello. I think a lot about you. First, let me say, while you're probably caught up in all the nostalgia that's everywhere you look for the 2050s, let me tell you that you are living in one of the best of times right now here in 2070. How do I know? Well, sit down. You're probably not going to be ready for this. I'm living here in the year 2370. Yup, that's almost 300 years into your future, and I've read a lot about your century, and specifically your decade. So let me answer a few questions for you before I go. Our time is really limited when we send these transmissions back. So first question, yes, humans finally do leave Earth. We actually build that home on Mars we were promised, and not the temporary crappy one we got in 2030. No, a real one. The one like we were promised after the Great American Collapse of 2052. And no, 
we don't conquer death in the future. You see, as you remember, after the first full-time BCI, or brain-computer interface recipient, was attached to AI to form our first hybrid intelligence in, I think, 2046, we thought that would be it. Having people inside AI with all their memories, hopes, and dreams would create a new place for us to live. Unfortunately, sometime in your next 40 years, I think around 2112, we find out that mortality is part of a a system of sorts that functions outside of our worlds, outside of our consciousness. It kind of keeps a cosmic order. It's important. So it might seem scary. Times have that effect on people. The world is really divided, and we've seen this before. Our ability to dream, be lost in thought, have nightmares, or even just wonder out loud something when we're alone. That was our first glimpse in what it was like to tap into this river of time. Here in the future, we all have the ability to change not only the future, but our current moments. We've learned that using this feeling of daydreaming and hope has a way of reshaping our reality. We even have a term for it. It's called flash forward. It's kind of magical, and we don't use the term magical lightly. Take care. See you soon. This is my message to any minority who feels oppressed in 2070. I know that people might be telling you that there are more important things to worry about, that the environment is wreaking havoc on us, that there might be a new pandemic, that there are threats from nature all across the planet looming. But don't let those people deter you from understanding that human problems are still problems that need to be solved. And that whatever sufferings the rest of the population have are sufferings that you also experience and more. I just listened to a climate scientist of today crying because she knew how bad the situation was and wished she could do more. And I think there's a lot of us like that. And it may help to have that picture of humanity of our time, humanity of our past as not being monolithic, as being a lot more nuanced and, uh, you know, a lot smarter than sometimes we give the past credit for. So I hope you in the future are also doing weird, smart, bizarre things that we of the past have not even possibly imagined. Like, that is the beauty and the complexity of the history of humanity. So hello from one part of it to another part of it. In 50 years, I hope that time is held more gently, stop the rushing, stop the overwhelming noise, return to our gentle state. My hope for for 50 years from now is that people won't want to hold on to power as much as they do now. I hope you exist, and if you do, Um, I hope the entrenched opposition to the people trying to build a less cruel world uh, have been overthrown or otherwise destroyed 
I hope that COVID-19 is only a story you hear from your grandparents. My hope is that society will be more open to sharing power and sharing thoughts and ideas because they will have seen what people in this current age have gone through. Maybe by 50 years from now, we'll have learned that every time we lose one of these things, we're losing too. We hope that knowledge is free and accessible, that institutions stealing ideas and enslaving their workforce are brought down, that no bodies are treated as disposable. What I hope for the continent of Africa and uh, my country, Ethiopia, is that 50 years from now, we embrace both our identities, our languages, and science and technology. I hope that you're listening to this at a time where you can talk freely about your emotions, your thoughts, and your struggles with no stigma attached. That communal knowledge is recognized for the power that it has and that it is prioritized. I'm hoping that 50 years from now, you're looking at the lessons that we've been trying to learn for the previous 50 years and the 50 years before that and the 50 years before that, and you're thinking about them as places where we had good intentions but had not yet reached meaningful execution. I'm hoping that you've built on that as much as possible. In 50 years, I hope to see a world anew, living in old age, a hardened soul and a softened heart, living in the gentle springtime breeze. May you treasure the oracles that are in your communities right now, and I hope you listen to them with an open spirit and heart. Hopefully 50 years from now, everything that I'm saying is second nature and you'll just go, well, yeah, of course. I hope people will listen, but I also understand on a deeper level, if you are there to receive this letter, then people must have changed. 2020 has been a challenging year, and my hope is, and you would know better than I would, that the people of my time realize how easily they can lose everything. We don't always get it right, but we keep on trying. And maybe that is because of hope. I hope that you are still trying to, even when you don't get it right. I hope that you are still asking for what you need. I hope that you are listening. I suppose what I would want to tell you is that we loved and cared and listened and supported each other. We didn't always get it right, but we kept trying. There is magic around. Can you feel it? Or is it just me? It is fussing between us, glowing among us, materialized through us, existing within us. Can you feel it? Or is it just me? We are the alchemist of change. Look around. For real, look around. <laughs> it is important to pause, to remember these days, 
write about them, breathe them. These days that are weirdly giving to many of us so much pain and so much lucidity all at once. Honor what we have pulled together. Honor what we have survived. Honor the magic of your body, of your mind, of your spirit, of your heart. Did you know you were this wise? Isn't it obvious that we choose each other before? Isn't it evident that we have known each other many times, that we have changed worlds together already, that we are made of magic stuff? I feel it in my heart. I have looked into your eyes another time. I know your soul from before. Somewhere else. We have hugged each other somewhere else. Look around. This is it. Our elders are with us, holding our hands. Our earthling and galactic ancestors, the souls who take care of us, que nos cuidan with their love, who keep us alive, grounded in la tierra and in the sky, they are with us. Can you feel it? Or is it just me? There is no thing out of reach and this is not a fucking metaphor. We can expand ourselves across the race histories. We are the ones, the one who imagine and make universes when where stars sparkle with care, kindness, love and solidarity for all deemed valueless by systems of dispossession, exploitation and extermination. Look around. Feel it. <laughs> we are the energy that nurtures any possible transformation. We time travel, transcending the impossibilities of the present. We are the shape shifters of the cosmos. We are the alchemist of change. Spell you later. Okay, that is this trip to the future. I've been thinking a lot about what I can add here at the end. Like what I can say that hasn't already been said. What do I want you to know that you didn't already just get from all of that? And I guess the thing that I want you to know is the same thing that I want people in my time in 2020 to know, which is that... The future hasn't happened yet. I know that that sounds ridiculously obvious, but I also think it's worth remembering. The future is not a foregone conclusion. It is not decided. 
And even though it can sometimes feel this way, it is not entirely out of your hands. The stuff that I do today is going to change your lives in your time, at least a little bit. And you, listening to this in 2070, which I hope you are, can do things that will change the lives of people in 2075 and in 2120 and beyond. You can change their lives for the better, or you can change their lives for the worse. It's not like we're all on a train on a track. It's like there's an open field and you're riding this wild monster that we're all kind of trying to wrangle, if that makes any sense. Movements are built by people and moving the future, steering this giant creature happens because people want it to and figure out the places to poke and the ways to pull to make that turn happen. So you can be one of those people who pulls on the reins if you want to be. So that's my message, that the future hasn't happened yet, which is a really good thing, actually. A huge thank you to every single person who sent in audio for this. I couldn't include everybody, and I cut a lot of stuff down into shorter bits, as you heard. So if you want to read or hear the full list of what everybody said, you can find that at flashforwardpod.com. And that list of people includes... Alice Wong, Amy Slayton, Anjali Fitch, Ariel Duem-Ross, Ashley Shu, Avery Truffleman, Calvin Gimpelovich, Carl Evers, Chris Dancy, Damian Patrick Williams, David Agronoff, Ernesto Di Morales, Gina Tam, Janelle Shane, Janet Stemwettel, Jared Dyer, John Christensen, Kathy Randall Bryant, Katie Gordon, Kelly and Zach Wienersmith, Lena Ayenu, Matt Lubchansky, Meredith Talisan, Michelle Hanlon, Morgan Gorris, Naomi Barron, Natalia Petrozella, Sandeep Ravindran, The Queer Futures Collective, Sav Schlatteroff, Shoshana Schlatteroff, Zia Puig, and Zoe Schlanger. Whew. The music you heard in this episode is by Asura, Chad Crouch, Ketza, Zylo Zico, Loyalty Freak, and Hustlonia. To celebrate five years of Flash Forward, I am doing a video AMA where I'm going to answer questions that people have about the show. I gathered those up on Patreon and on the social media networks for Flash Forward. So be on the lookout for that. You'll be able to find it on our social media pages, which are pretty much always at Flash Forward Pod, wherever you look, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. I would be absolutely remiss if I did not spend some time in this five-year anniversary episode thanking a few people who helped make Flash Forward's five years possible. So first, thanks to Annalie Newitz, who first commissioned this podcast in its original form when it was called Meanwhile in the Future. Shout out to everybody who's been listening since then. Um, thanks to Quinn Harity, who has helped with a million different legal and business things to keep the show funded and afloat. Thank you to Amanda McLaughlin from Multitude, who keeps the ads coming in for this show, which is a huge help and just really means the world to me. You should absolutely go check out the other shows that Multitude does. They have a really amazing network. Definitely go look at that. It's multitude.productions. And thank you to every patron and donor who really, truly keep the show afloat. And to you who is still listening to the outro of an episode, which I think many people don't actually do. Flash Forward is produced by me, Rose Eveleth. The episode art is by Matt Lubchansky, as always, and we will be back to regular programming in two weeks where we're traveling to a really fun future that I'm really excited about, so stay tuned for that. If you want to suggest a future you want to hear on this show, you can send me a note. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, or by email at info at flashforwardpod.com. I do really love hearing your ideas. The next episode, the one that comes out in two weeks, is a listener suggestion. So keep them coming. I love, I love, love, love your ideas. And if you want to support the show and keep it going for more years to come, 
There are a bunch of ways you can do that. So you can go to flashforwardpod.com support for more about how to give financially and the various things you get in return for becoming a patron. But if that is not in the cards for you, you can always just head to Apple Podcasts and leave a nice review, which really, truly does matter. It helps keep the show kind of in the charts and stuff like that. Or you can just tell your friends, like even just one friend about the show, because that really does help. Okay, that's all for this admittedly somewhat strange episode. Come back next time and we'll travel to a different future.